0: Episode of Donnie's Disposals. I am your host, Coach Donnie Hess here, back with another AFL review. Ladies and gentlemen, 23 rounds down, one more to go. And joining me today from lovely California, as you'll see here in just a little bit, the background, magnificent. Mr. Gil Griffin. Gil, thanks for hopping on the podcast again.
1: No worries, mate. Good to be here. And hello to everybody across the country and across the world watching us.
0: Awesome, awesome. So let's right, let's jump right into it. Round twenty-three had a lot to discuss. We've got a lot to get through. Let's jump into it really quick. Just your initial thoughts of the round twenty-three, because as we said, there is tons to talk about.
1: Well, you know, you never like the umpires to take center stage, uh, and at least in two matches I saw, they did. Uh, one which uh, likely cost Adelaide or has cost Adelaide. Uh, final spot and then the other one how could they possibly have taken away what probably was the goal of the year by Bailey Banfield in the uh, Fremantle Port match where Bailey <laughs> Banfield did that ridiculous bicycle kick and the ball had to roll just perfectly across the line he got it across the line and I cannot believe that it was overturned after a replay that showed it did not touch a port defender
0: uh, that's the way it goes, unfortunately. And, and as a Swans fan, and, and I have numerous Crows fans, I don't want to discuss that particular topic just yet. We'll, we'll get I'm to sure that a don't. little bit later. It has nothing to do with that. Like, I, again, as I've said to many, I agree with many of the Crows fans because you will not hear me say it was a goal. It was a goal. It was a goal. I will say it. You will not hear me argue. Just the carry on a little bit is getting a little bit much, but we'll again, we'll discuss that a little bit later. Let's jump right into round one, sees one versus two at Marvel Stadium as Collingwood fall to the Brisbane Lions 124 100. And is there concerns for the Pies going into finals, considering the injuries are starting to mount up and their form has been less than impressive?
1: Absolutely, would have to be a concern because, uh, you know, I have a friend of mine or mate down there who gave me some education on one of the greatest horse horses in racing in Australian history, Farlap. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Farlap or how many of our uh, viewers are familiar with Farlap. I wasn't, but what I heard was Farlap got off to, in all of his races, just a, a phenomenal fast start, but then always would fade. At the finish, and I think if you're Collingwood, you have to be concerned about that. And you're right with injuries mounting up, and let's face it, an, an additional round. I mean, people aren't really talking that much about the fact that this year, 23 actual matches as opposed to 22, and all that really happened was you had one uh, preseason match get taken away. But that's extra grueling, and it also poses an extra risk for injury. And uh, they always say that the fittest team is one that usually finishes on top or, or comes to uh to to get the flag but with Collingwood too you have to wonder in their case have they already peaked and have they Mm -hmm. peaked at the wrong time that's always got to be a concern
0: yeah I agree with you I've, I've said numerous times that I don't want to play my best footy in the first 15 weeks of the season I want to play my best footy round 19 round 20 going into the finals because you're picking up steam just before finals and you're hitting it right at the peak time you're timing your run perfectly so we'll have to see again Collingwood is still a strong team there's still going to be a lot of people's tips but I'm I'm a little off them a little bit I, again I've been a little off of them most of the time because I don't believe their style will go well in finals it didn't last year and I still don't believe it will going few going further I think fly needs to make a few adjustments to it to adjust to the tightness that is finals footy but Again, plenty of time to see that. We still have one more round to go. They will get some horses back, so we'll have to see how it goes come finals time, but definitely one to talk about. Not more, not much to talk about when it comes to finals implications, but some big, big farewells as we see Jack Rewell and Trent Conchin in their farewell match, take down the North Melbourne Roos, 101, 72 for the Tigs. A good farewell for these two, for these two. Very, very, very highly thought of at the Richmond Footy Club.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then you also have to wonder, will there be a third farewell, not from footy, but maybe from Richmond in uh, Dustin Martin, mm-hmm. if uh, things go according to what the rumors are that uh, Dima Damian Hardwick goes to Gold Coast and might take uh, his mentee, Dustin Martin, with him. Um, it, it's interesting, Jack Revolt. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, in the Fox footy studios years ago when my book was out. And, uh, you know, a real nice gentleman. And, uh, you know, he... You talk about a storied career. Uh, he's achieved pretty much everything you could want. And the thing that I'm concerned about or thinking about with Justin Martin mm-hmm. is, will Justin Martin, will this accelerate his retirement plans? Because if you're Justin Martin, what more can you really accomplish? I mean, mm-hmm. you're a premiership player, you're a Brownlow uh, winner, you're a Norm Smith winner. What, what else does he have to do? Mm-hmm. Um, or what else is there for him to accomplish? And I just, I don't necessarily see a Dustin Martin deciding, hey, well, you know, I've accomplished everything I could do here. Let me go to Gold Coast, and and uh, see if I can get um, this side, which has never made the finals, into the finals. But it will be interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, definitely. For me, I don't think Gold Coast can afford Dusty, so I don't see I don't see Dusty going up there. And and from what I heard in the presser, the little the little tidbits that I heard, I don't think Dimmer I don't think Dimmer is even looking at it i think this is one of those vic media specialists like dusty is the enigma a little bit like buddy where he wants to get out of vic so he's out of the fishbowl and i think it's it's a little more media driven than than most people and i don't think gold coast has the finances to be able unless they ship half their list away which would then kind of definitely hinder dimma just the tiniest bit so speaking of gold but if but if if they
1: did ship their half their list away it wouldn't be surprising because we've seen them do it you and i have talked about if, Mm -hmm. if there were an all uh, uh, Gold Coast alumni team. I mean, the names mm-hmm. on that list, from mm-hmm. Leon Prestia to Tom Lynch to Charlie Dixon to, uh, you know, many other players, I mean, you could pr- probably field uh, an all-Australian side. Um, so you you really wonder with them because I think there's been, just been a real concrete lack of a plan, and that's mm-hmm. evident. I mean, they've been in the league since, what, 2011, and they still have never made finals? Mm-hmm. That's That's a major embarrassment. Um, and and you're right. I don't think that uh, – I, I agree with you. I don't think that uh, Gold Coast can afford that. And I'm not sure that Justin Martin wants to attach his name and his legacy to, to that sort of club.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there. They did put – I think they put out an all-decade team, and they actually – Somebody actually ripped it because they said it was 11 of the 18 names that were on the starting roster were not with the club anymore. It's it was it was mm. crazy to look at. Speaking of that, there's a great transition as Gold Coast hosted the 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 Carlton Blues and again the Blues continuing hot form, but a little bit of a scare by the Gold Coast Suns, only getting a four-point win. But Charlie Kerno, take a bow, young man, because it's hard not to say he is the reason Carlton won this game, which was a huge trap game for these blue, for these blues going into round 24.
1: Yeah. And then to think that the blues have been uh, in such torrid form, even without uh Mackay, without Harry Mackay, I mean, that's, that's really big. I mean, once they get him fit and firing and, and all of that, they're going to be really dangerous. And we talked about the importance of peaking at the right time. Could we be seeing Carlton be peaking at the right time? Because right now, if, uh, You know, if I'm a supporter of another club that's in the eight, I don't want any part of Carlton right
0: now. Mm -hmm. I am 100% with you. They're playing super, super well. I'm a little concerned that Makai has kind of thrown a spanner in the works. I'm very interested to see how they go this week and then into the first week of finals because they were just absolutely humming before Makai came back in and saw a little bit of a fumble a little bit with this round with Makai coming back in. So we'll have to see how this Carlton team adjusts to Big Harry McIvey and back in the roster as we go further. And probably the result that I think absolutely shocked everybody in the AFL, besides the talking points that we'll get to a little bit later, is GWS absolutely handing the Essendon Bombers their tail on a silver platter by 126 points, 162-36. And I saw the statistic, Jesse Hogan beat... The Essendon Bombers by himself, I believe it was fifty-five to thirty-six. This an insipid performance by the bombers, basically now almost making pretty much making the finals impossible to be, though they're only one game out.
1: Well, you would have to mention Jesse Hogan, wouldn't uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you? With me. not <laughs> trying to. <laughs> well and you and you and you know I have been a huge critic uh of Jesse Hogans when he was at Fremantle. Mm-hmm. Uh you know the fact that Fremantle mortgaged part of the future and well and also traded Lockheed Neal to to get Jesse Hogan and he was an absolute dud uh with the Dockers. But you know I've always said, you know, if, if he can go to some other club and succeed, well, you know, God bless him. uh so I so as they would say uh, in hip hop, I ain't mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, he he had a he had a performance for the ages, something to remember for his entire career, but it's very mercurial. Um, it's really funny because I remember someone talking about Jesse Hogan as being a 60-goal-a-year player Well, his career high is 46, so he's not a 60-goal-a-year player. But um, he did have a performance for the ages, and it's ironic that, that it's that kind of performance which has gotten GWS across the line and possibly cemented into, into the top eight, and uh, – you know, it's one of these things where you're looking at this match and you're thinking, are GWS that good or are Essendon that bad? Or you just don't know where the middle is on this because you're right. No one was expecting a hiding like this. I mean, this is this is just insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. And I I would say it's 50-50. I don't think Essendon was that bad. I just, Essendon just did not, and they kind of gave up after GWS kind of put a big lead on him and they just kind of, They waved the white flag a little too early and Jesse Hogan had himself a field day. I I really am shocked that he did not get 10 because I think his teammates were trying super, super hard at the end. So we go to the other, if it weren't for all of the drama and controversy in the next game after this one, this would be one I think a lot of people would talk about is the cats, the defending premiers are out as they fall to the Saints, 88-55, a 33-point win by by Ross Lyon-led Saints. And the Saints qualify and are locked into the finals. And the Cats get to play golf a little bit early this year.
1: Yeah, they do. And and if not for the next result we're going to talk about, we could have seen the, uh, the, the, the Premier and the runner-up both not make it uh, mm-hmm. in, into the 8. But it's really interesting because uh, for me having uh, followed Fremantle, Ross Lyon is doing what he's always done. When he's coached, he's taken a group of, uh, of players that maybe don't have a star-studded roster, but he's gotten everybody to play their roles and pitch in. And here they are—another Ross Lyon team has made the finals. And you know, it, it sort of fits the profile—a um, team where you don't have many clear-cut superstars, and but with a lot of veteran experience. And so, credit to him that he's been able to rally his troops and do something right to get St Kilda into the finals. So. You know, good on them and it was uh, you know pretty convincing win
0: yeah definitely for sure and, and you just i think the cats finally finally their age profile finally caught up to them and, and from everything that i gather over the last couple of days it sounds like at least two or three of their stars are basically being shut down for around 24 being sent mm-hmm. to the surgeon to the surgeons to get off-season surgery so i think the cats are prepping for next year but you kind of understand they had an incredible run last year. They didn't get much of an offseason. So you kind of understand it. But again, the Saints, a pesky Saints team, have qualified. it would be fun to watch that going forward. To the game that I know, there's several watching this that cannot wait to hear what I have to say because I've been a lot, kind of been trying to be radio silent on this as much as because I wanted to make sure that I chose my words very, very correctly. Swans get a one point win, but everybody talks about it. The goal that was not a goal that, was a goal but I want to kind of stay away from that a little bit because in our burning questions we'll really really kind of dissect that but for me this is one of those the swans survive but Adelaide played one great quarter and almost almost stole it from the swans
1: well the biggest thing to me is that is is the irony of this because the AFL has a campaign as many sports leagues do with men telling other men in PSAs don't be afraid to get help Mm -hmm. so you gotta think of the goal umpire. What is he doing not getting help? There's a whole apparatus set up for moments like that, which is mm-hmm. goal score review. You know, and I and I was just looking at this and I was amazed that no one went no other umpire went over to him to give that square signal, you know, score review, you know, umpire's mm-hmm. call is this, we'll check it on the replay. And I, and the thing that's so shocking, of course, and I know I'm not saying anything that's that hasn't been discussed, but mm-hmm. in in that kind of magnitude. At, I mean, the the shot within a minute and a half left to play. You have to review that. I don't understand how it's not automatically reviewed. And as a matter of fact, I thought it, I thought in situations like that it was automatically reviewed in that in that amount of time. And then hearing what I uh, heard from the goal umpire about how he thought he heard the the ball oh, hit the yeah. post. Well, but he's there for his eyes, not for his ears. And, you know, and if you think about that moment. Think about the crowd noise. Think about players yelling in the goal square. Think about the fans. How can you discernibly isolate a sound of a ball whacking the post against all of that other stuff? And you, you know, I just don't understand how there was there was no help. And I'm wondering too, with uh, with replay control, uh, why were they not in his earpiece saying, "Hang on, you know, we we need we need to check this out. We need to fully investigate this." and and then the other thing is too Ben keys might not be the great greatest actor of all time but if i'm the goal umpire i really do have to wonder well if this is really behind why is he running in, into the crowd to accept their congratulations mm-hmm. why is this why did the sydney players look downcast why is why is everyone in the crows celebrating and i think for that when in doubt you absolutely have to ask for help and i don't know i can't i'm not inside this umpire's head mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's thinking about uh, embarrassment. But in any situation like that, if, when in doubt, you have to ask for help.
0: Yep, I hey, Everything that you said, I one hundred percent agree. Now, from everything that I'm hearing, it again, this is not me making it okay because it's not. But, and, I, and I'll come up with a little bit later, I'll come up with a couple of situations where I think that uh, some of the crows reactions have been a little bit of a carry on good, but please hear me out. This is not me attacking the crows friends. because as I told many online, I 100% agree. That was a goal should have been called that way. 100. The reason that I believe it was not reviewed was because a, the goal umpire believed that when Callum mills hand slaps, the pad is when the ball deflected. So that's that's the explanation that I'm, believe is the explanation for that two it is not a goal no behinds are automatically reviewed because of that that is not part of the only goals are reviewed because the soft call was a behind it is not automatically reviewed so that kind of explains that a little bit do i understand and completely agree with everything that you said but here's the other thing did it earlier in the season um Ollie Florent celebrate like he kicked a goal and the ball fell 2 meters short. So players mm-hmm. can celebrate but that really doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything too. I've even seen guys not celebrate and it's eventually called a goal before right. aka in a in a um in a showdown between the crows and port almost kind of the same situation. So again, do I 100% understand the gripe that the crows fans hand? Absolutely. Some of the proposed reactions i think are a little far-fetched and like i said we'll we'll discuss this just a little bit later i don't want to spend the entire time swans get the swans get the win again dubious 100 totally understand that like i said we'll discuss a little bit more of some of my thoughts on that just a little bit let's jump to the other upset that blew people's minds this weekend as west coast i know the, the evilness that is the other side of the West as a Frio supporter, but the Eagles get their second win knocking off the doggies. And now the doggies pedestal has been knocked a little bit. And Bevo is, is on shaky ground now.
1: Definitely. And you, you have to wonder if some complacency uh, seeped into that uh, Western Bulldogs change room before the match. I mean, thinking that they had it in the bag and mm-hmm. it's very interesting with Adam Simpson being under such fire, uh, out west you wonder if this were was the eagles a case of the eagles players really trying to rally behind their senior coach mm-hmm. and trying to save his job uh, that, that wouldn't be the first time it's happened to a popular senior coach or baseball manager or anything like that where where people really want to to get behind and and support their guy or their woman or on the league and they want to save that coach so yeah the result was surprising um, this is probably the best you're going to see out of West Coast and the uh, the, the Bulldogs totally lackluster performance. Um, you know, there's their old adage again, if you kick more behinds than goals, you're likely to get your behinds kicked mm-hmm. and uh, that absolutely bit, uh, bit, bit the Western Bulldogs and then just very late in that match, there was just such sloppiness where they, it's not like the Western Bulldogs did not have opportunities to win that match mm-hmm. but if you count the number of fumbles drop marks uh, any number of things that they really squandered opportunities and, and should have won this match
0: yeah and it wasn't because of weather because it was under the roof in marvel stadium it just it right it, it, it baffled me a little bit that this doggies team absolutely fell apart now no liba can throw a little bit but i don't think that they should not have lost even without liba but jeremy mcgovern came back and this year when he has played they've played a lot better andrew gaff i think has finally started to kind of pull his head out of a body cavity i really shouldn't say on on this oh podcast. that's right
1: evilness again evilness alert and with me andrew gaff come on i know now.
0: I'm, I'm trying know. not i'm we, not we trying have not been, to bring not up the evil
1: 2018 <laughs> and andrew brayshaw but if i can I jump know. in too how, about, how about did he not have the game of his life? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and McGovern was showing you know, his familiar form, intercepting everything that, that, uh, that came near him. Um, but yeah, Jamie Cripps was really, he was everywhere and did mm-hmm. everything. And so he, he definitely put on that superhero cape to, to take uh, West Coast over the line.
0: Yeah, definitely. Again, it's, you kind of feel good. And then there's some people that are like, why did they win? They lose down on Harley Reed. And I kind of got to, I got to give Adam Simpson a little bit because he, he threw a couple of jabs in his, in his post-game interview. And I appreciated that as a coach. So thought it kind of tells the media, Hey, shut up. And it's like, we understand what you think, but that's not always what happens inside the four walls of many of the clubs. So we jumped to what I thought was an absolute cracking game of footy at the Melbourne at the MCG as Melbourne get the win over the Hawks. But again, the Hawks proved to be quite the pesky team coming late only losing by 27 to a D's team that people are still talking about as a flag contender.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if you're Hawthorne, if you're a Hawthorne supporter, you've got to be excited about the future uh, with that performance in that, in that last quarter and what they were able to do. And they were taken on a really tough side in uh, in Melbourne if I could just digress for one second though speaking of the MCG to me going back to that very first match we talked about to me it is just not ever I mean correct me if I'm wrong and especially Collingwood supporters it just doesn't feel right seeing Collingwood play a home a home match Mm -hmm. on Marvel Stadium grounds come on Uh, (laughs) I mean Collingwood are one of the teams that made the MCG what it is and I imagine it had to be like if you're a Yankee fan and go back to the mid seventies, kinda of like when the Yankees played at Shea Stadium, the Mets home, for that year and a half, the Yankee Stadium was being renovated. But mm-hmm. just something just does not look right to me. I've been watching footy like you have for
0: mm-hmm.
1: almost a quarter of a century, and something just does not look right about Collingwood playing a home match uh in Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, I just I no, well the, the quick no, explanation right. of
0: that is is that is that each of the clubs have been told they will play a home game at Marvel Stadium it's just the way it came out because the AFL owns Marvel they don't own the MCG so that's kind of the explanation here. Do I understand your argument? Absolutely because you're going to get a lot more of the MCG than you are at Marvel but it's 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 one of those contractual things that there's just not much right. you can do about it unfortunately. I agree I I do agree with you it it would have been awesome to be in a bigger stadium but in some situations it keeps the comp even more entertaining because now first place is still up for grabs because Brisbane lost. So I didn't want to bring well, you don't like watching the
1: seagulls congregate on the, <laughs> on the boundary line and on the, on the 50 meter arc. I mean, come on, that's
0: uh... <laughs> yeah. Always entertaining for sure. So no, the, the D the D's Hawks game again, this was a cracking game. Again, the D's show that they're and, and they're, they're still got a couple of really good players or I mean, Bailey Fritch is still come back on this team. So, if you're, if you're the Melbourne demons, the question is, do, do you arrest a couple of guys, give them two weeks rest going into the finals or do you, or do you go full bore in this game against Sydney? But again, the Hawks tested them and and really quickly, just, just in a sidebar, your thoughts on Simon Goodwood's comments on Finn McGinnis, because for me, if I'm the Hawthorne Hawks, I chuckle it at, at the fact that Simon Goodwin is so bent out of shape that he had to say something about Finn McGinnis, because if I'm a coach, a guy like Finn McGinnis would be a pleasure to have on my roster. <laughs>
1: Well, I think Simon Goodwin's got enough trouble to worry about with the drug allegations and mm-hmm. uh, with with the other things that have come out uh, about his program. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe saying what he said was not the wisest thing. Maybe uh, discretion is the better part of valor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or what or whatever adages are just to uh, STFU and just mind stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got enough on his plate.
0: Yeah, definitely. For sure. We'll, 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 we'll pull the bandaid off really, really quickly. Last game of the rounds, She's poured Adelaide, go out to hop to stadium and get the win as the, as the loyal Dockers fan on the podcast, your thoughts on this one, because again, I think this is a Dockers team that I, I'm not going to say they disappointed because I was, I'm a little bit worried that some of the holes left with a couple of the exits with Griffin Lowe, Blake Akers, I mean, for me, again, lob I think is an addition. That an addition, via subtraction, but that's me personally. This was a Dockers team that really they were inconsistent, and they had they had flashes of brilliance, but just not consistent enough to to be a finals contender this year.
1: Well, yeah, and I think it can kind of go under the category of honorable loss. Not mm-hmm. as honorable as the loss to uh, to Brisbane was, but. Um, you know the, the, it was just diff, it was the difference was really evident in the class and the ball use and uh, composure, uh, all of that But, you know the free are a very young side. I think the the bright side is is the uh, in the AFL's 22 under 22 Fremantle had the most representation of any club. So it's a club that's going to need to play together as a unit for uh, a very long time um, before that premiership window opens up again. Could it open up again next year? Well, it's a possibility it depends on, uh, how the preseason goes. It depends on a couple of veterans and and whether their bodies hold up. Um, the one also another good thing for Frio supporters, Matthew Johnson, getting the uh, rising star nomination, Although I have to admit I was surprised because I thought that was going to go to another young player for Fremantle, Tom Emmett, mm-hmm. um, who uh, played his who made his debut, had 13 possessions, kicked a couple of goals, and did a lot of good things on the ground. and he really looks like a player. And um, Fremantle needs somebody that is going to be uh, kind of a big-bodied, bruising type. Um, personally, I think also Fremantle have really lost that mongrel that used to define the era in which Ross Lyon uh, coached them, when you had players like Hayden Valentine and Nick Subin and Ryan Crowley. I think that's been really missing. And, uh, and it's just interesting. One other quick thing, it doesn't necessarily relate to uh, Fremantle now, but you talked about resting players. In the last round. People forget that when Fremantle made the 2013 Grand Final, mm-hmm. they had their last match of the season in, uh, in, at Marvel against St. Kilda, and then Ross Lyon very controversially rested most of his starting players, uh, you know, saying that they were going to be managed. And then the next week, Fremantle went on to upset Geelong uh, down at, at uh, Cardenia Park. And since he did that, the AFL then had that rule, then instituted the, the bye week for everybody Mm-hmm. between the last round of the season and the first week of finals. But but I digress uh, on that one. Um, but I think Fremantle are, are setting up to be in good shape. Is it going to hurt a little bit when uh, when Fremantle doesn't have that top five pick draft time when that's going to go to Melbourne for Luke Jackson? Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been times that Luke Jackson has has looked worth every penny of that trade. The biggest question, though, I think going forward is what happens to Liam Henry. Is Liam Henry going to stay? I mean, he seems to really have found himself on the wing, although I will say, uh, while he's been great at gathering the ball and distributing, my thing is, if you've watched him kick, his hospital balls are going to end up getting some teammates killed if he doesn't refine that skill. Um, But I think he's, I mean, he's only 21 years old and very valuable. And he's been uh, in the Fremantle system really since he's been 13 years old in the Next Generation Academy. So I don't think this is someone that Fremantle wants to lose. Will he be lured by uh, Victorian teams calling for him or uh, another team we don't know about? Possibly. Mm-hmm. So I think they'd be better served having him. Um, but I do think that, uh, that this is a team that's going to get better as long as they continue to play together
0: yeah 100% agree and again port you know, find a way to win again scrapping of it it'd be very interesting to see how it goes but we'll jump to burning we'll jump to burning questions and plain and simply i know there's been a few people that have asked that have been asking me this this question and kind of how i've reacted to the, the whole swans crows thing and i i put how big was the how big was the error but i want to change it just a little bit because Like I said a few times, I think the carry on from Adelaide has been a little over the top. And again, I understand that you're upset, but I keep hearing people say it. It cost them a finals. Factually, not accurate yet. Factually, not accurate because let's go. If we go to the ladder really quickly, even if we were to flip the scores, okay? Let's 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 go back. Let's hypothetically. Let's go back. Adelaide would be at forty four. Adelaide would be at forty four, and the Swans would be at forty six here's the thing if gws and sydney both win this weekend again some people would say that's not going to happen carlton and melbourne should beat them well but humor me if both those teams win unless there's a massive percentage jump and again west coast is playing better there's no guarantee adelaide will beat west coast even if you flip it and say it would humor me that sydney and gws win and adelaide were to lose That actually wouldn't cost them a final spot. So I I don't like this. It cost them a final spot. It potentially could if results go that way. So I'm not, again, not trying to downplay the Crows because I understand their arguments. I understand their gripe, really do. But there's this narrative out there that it cost them the finals. You got to beat West Coast first, which West Coast is playing at home much better. I think Jeremy McGovern, if he plays could make this an interesting game if he doesn't play i think the crows win it but there's no guarantee that the giants will fall to the to carlton there's no guarantee that sydney will lose to melbourne sydney's at home so i just i kind of wanted to spell that it didn't cost them a finals it cost them the potential for finals so not trying to get technical there but and then the other thing that i want to say that is is that everybody's like this is a huge travesty um you and i are americans um Call the New Orleans Saints. Ask them about the the pass interference call that cost them a Super Bowl. Ask the Irish men's soccer team how it felt to have a human error cost them a chance in the World Cup against France. All due respect, Adelaide, this is not a finals game. It potentially could cost you finals money, but compared to some human error that happens all the time in sport, I... I don't think I'm jumping too far to say there are many, many sporting events that human error is going to happen until robots are umpiring sport, human error is going to happen. I, I really annoys me that Gil McLaughlin has sent this umpire and really ran over him with a bus, backed up and did it again and again and again. I don't believe this umpire should have been stood down. He made a mistake. It happens. There's umpires in every single game. There is not a single fan of all of footy that will say that an umpire got a game 100% right. Why? Because this is a very difficult game to umpire. So the fact that this, this goal umpire is being stood down is pathetic for me. You have scapegoated this guy when you could have put in the system to make it automatic that any scoring shots are automatically reviewed because you put it as goals that takes it to where his mistake is now what it is. So this is more on the AFL than anything. It's not on the goal, Judge, because the AFL had the opportunity to make sure that a safety net for something like this could happen, and it was not there.
1: Well, I'm going to disagree with you on one thing there. I do, I do go along with the, with, the, uh, with the standing down, but not for maybe the reason that you're talking about. I think the standing down really ought to be because he did not ask for help. I mean, he goes through training. You go to umpire school. Everything has to be, if you have any doubt at all, you get help. What, could, what would it have hurt if he had just, he had just owned up to that? I'm really not sure about this. Or if he had just really taken the long view and said, this is potentially really huge. I really mm-hmm. do need to get help. I need a second opinion. We see it in baseball all the time with home plate umpires, and if a batter sw- uh, swung or checked the swing. And you know it's interesting because we had a couple of years ago in that playoff series between the Dodgers and Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, the series ended on a check swing call, and I will and I'll even go ahead and ask, uh, answer some or add something else to baseball. Ask the 1985 St. Louis Cardinals how they mm-hmm. felt. About uh, George or Jorge Orta being called safe at first base when he clearly was out, when replay mm-hmm. wasn't even a thing yet. Um, but, you know, to your point about the Crows and this being a potential uh, potential finals uh, or, or potential robbing of a final spot, it's interesting because if you look back in at least two of the five Crows matches, let's look at this. When mm-hmm. they were playing against Melbourne, they lost by four points and they kicked 13 15. Mm-hmm. Okay they kick one more goal they win that match. If you look at the match against Brisbane they lost by one straight kick and again they kicked 13-15. If they don't miss a couple of those shots they beat Brisbane and wouldn't be in the position of mm-hmm. having had to have beaten Sydney that night to have gotten into the finals or 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 really cemented the possibility of a final spot because there's you know there's a reason for everything and if you think about championship or premiership clubs they make the most of their opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that they don't have excuses as to why they, they find a way they find a way to win. And so I think that's an important thing that what you were talking about also is that if this were a finals match, uh, then I think there might've been some different responses where every scoring shot uh, is reviewed, where it doesn't matter what the umpire's call is that you go through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was not around as a fan when siren gate happened in Tasmania between Fremantle and St. Kilda, Mm -hmm. but, you know, that where, where a result was, uh, was reversed. Um, but you know, you're right there, there is human error, but at that same point, I think there comes a time when to guard against human error. I think that also points to a human being exercising really good judgment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just like, it's just like here, Donnie, when, when I teach, uh, I don't pretend to know everything. Mm-hmm. And if there is something where could it possibly be embarrassing if a student uh, corrects me or gets, or gets me on something I thought I knew. Not anymore. I don't find that embarrassing because, you know, as you said, we're human, we can make mistakes Mm -hmm. and you could learn something from the experience. So I don't, you know, again, I don't know this umpire's personality and you know, that umpire has to be feeling really badly. And it's, it's crazy though to think that wasn't somewhere in the back of his mind to be concerned. How do I get out of this town safely? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I make Mm -hmm. the call that the fans are going to be wanting to, uh, to come guns blazing at me, so mm. but I just I think the more courageous thing of that umpire to have done was just admit I'm not sure I have this right. That's why I need to get help. And and I think if that had happened, and the the proceed the protocol had gone through, he'd be totally off the hook, and we wouldn't even be talking about this. Mm-hmm. So I think it. it's a I think it's a good lesson for uh, arbitrators of any sporting event that allows it is when in doubt you have to get help. You have to.
0: Yep, I completely agree. And then and we have Ross's question a little bit later. And I think some of the idea, and I've heard this come out by a couple of different people. And I actually like this. So I'm interested to hear what you say. Is as somebody that's seen this, and I'd really be interested in the comment section for some of the older AFL fans, what they think about it. But we'll get to that just a little bit. Next question. I hate to say it unfortunately, because of the way things kind of went out. I think this final round's a little anticlimactic because really there's only one spot left and that's the giant spot right. in 8. Is is it a little anticlimactic to you because of the way things turned out? There's only one spot available and if the giants win, uh, unless there's a massive win by by the by the duggies down in Geelong, it, the finals are pretty much set, which is kind of anticlimactic considering if things turn a little bit way, there could be two or three spots still available going to the final round.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The irony is is that as a fan from the U.S. and who enjoys uh, sports from other parts of the world not imitating the U.S., what I'm afraid of is that because of its uh, nature as being anticlimactic, is this going to spur more calls from some people within the AFL that are going to be calling for a wild card round mm-hmm. or going to be calling for a more Americanization um, of the sport, which I hope really does not happen? Um, you know, I enjoy the game because it is Australian because it's not American. I still love the fact that, uh, that there are no surnames on the backs of, uh, of jumpers that, mm-hmm. you know, you're forced to learn who the players are, that the fact uh, that there are no timeouts within, within play, the fact that the players don't know the score, don't know the, uh, the time left, time. Yep. um, as they're on the ground. Um, I love those differences. To me, it makes it uniquely Australian. So, I just think it's luck of the draw that this year you have an anti-climactic, climactic final round. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're going to get years like that. Some years you're going to get uh, a lot of drama in the rounds and everything like that. So I, I guess uh, to quote Billy Joel on, on the AFL, don't go change into try and please me. You mm-hmm. know, I love I love the game just the way it is.
0: So, yep. is. I'm 100% with you. This is one of those years that, that really helps bolster the let's have a wild card because it's so close around that. But look at one of those years when we already knew who the eight was two round with two rounds left. That would not be a fun wild card because seven and eight are going to smash nine and ten. So it's it's one of those where I understand this year why the wild card has gotten a lot of it's gotten a lot of smoke and the fire's growing a little bit. But I just I think this is one of those years where it, it's because of the situation, it's almost recency bias that it's why it's picking so much team. I agree with you. I don't like it because honestly, and maybe it's just a little bit of personally, I like the buy round because it lets the women have a round to themselves without any worry. You know, most of the Vic, most of the media are gonna be talking about the finals and and OMG, we don't have finals. gotta yeah, go out and support the women. And again, that that spurs a whole nother. Septic part of of social media, unfortunately, yeah. but I, it it really is annoying sometimes that I, I just kind of get the, this. Let the women have a little bit. I, I know it's it's for some people it's duh, 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 duh. it's like okay, congratulations, go back to your hole, get out of here. I really wish that they would they would give a little bit more positive pub on some of these places, but no, nope, they're going to talk about the men. So I'm just gonna I'm not gonna fight against a brick wall in that situation. So I don't I agree with you. I don't want a. I don't want a wild card round as much as it may intrigue some people. I'm just like, that's just, no, let the women have their round, get the finals going. And and then let's, let's have fun because you wouldn't have had the doggies magic that you did in 2016. If it weren't for the, for this by round, because they wouldn't have been fully healthy, probably would have lost that first round in 2016 would not have been the doggies year if it weren't for that by round. So as much as people complain about it, it has really given uh, an evening out of the competition a little bit. Now this year, could it help Collingwood because it helps the day and a more get healthy before the final start? We'll have to see. So we'll jump to producer Ron. Well, before is... you
1: Go. jump, before you, before you Go. jump, that's a great place for me to plug my AFLW coverage for footiology.com.au because next weekend I will be covering round one of AFLW um, and writing a preview for it. So if you get a chance, if you hope, you, if you don't mind, You can check out uh, my weekly columns on AFLW at Um, footiology.com.au. And then also adding to your point, though, about that, I think for the men on the men's side, I think it's also really good to have a week off and Mm -hmm. to have all the finals clubs start on as equal footing as you can. It gives people Mm -hmm. uh, a chance to heal their bodies. It gives people, injured players, another week to return, right? So I think that's another really good thing. And let's face it, after following – uh, AFL for 24 straight weeks, almost ha- nearly half the year. You know, it's a good detox. It's a good detox to step back and then to then you know really uh, sink in or 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 to to dig into that last part of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for for me as a supporter of a club that isn't in the eight, it's a little difficult sometimes. The, the level of intensity that that can drop off for us if if our clubs are not in the eight. You're not as um, maybe present and invested as you are every other year in your scoreboard watching and, and all that other fun stuff. But uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a really good final series. And, mm-hmm. um, and you're right. I think there's a lot of, of, um, uh, of support that be, that can be given to AFLW and I'm in a tough position here because as a man covering AFLW, I want to be sensitive to that. Where I think AFLW might thrive the best might be concurrently as curtain raisers to the afl season i don't i don't know that that's the answer Mm-mm. but uh i do like moving the season off. okay that would be an interesting debate you and i could have at some point um because i i do love the fact that um that the spotlight's going to be on the women mm-hmm. but what i'm afraid of and this, I i totally understand this is a topic for another time but i'm just concerned sometimes that perhaps there may be footy withdrawal that interferes with women's footy as far as AFLW attendance and all those kinds of other things. And I also wonder if it might be easier for the women who have to work uh, full-time jobs, if it might not be easier on their schedule until you get equalization with as many games played, does it make employment possibilities harder if to be playing footy in, a, in the season that's not concurrent with the AFL season, or would it make it easier? There's just a, There are a lot of things to consider, but at the end of the proceedings, I really would feel most comfortable if it's the women themselves, you know, not some guy in America or some guy anywhere making that choice for them. I think the players are going to have to decide what to do, and they've already had some say in when the best part of the calendar year or if it overlaps into another calendar year, their season is going to be. So if that decision comes from them, I'll go with whatever they say.
0: Yeah, Well, we can have that. Dis- we'll definitely have that discussion. In fact, I think we're definitely off. mic. have to talk because I'm getting everything together for my, my coverage for the podcast on AFLW and it is filling up quickly. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. Seven of the 10 rounds are already filled and I've got some great guests to hop on. I don't want to take up too much time because I know we're in a little bit of a time crunch. So We'll jump to producer Ross's question. And I love this. Ross has got a great idea that I've seen about th- about. So we'll throw it to Ross. Ross, throw out your question.
2: Oh, Connor, that's a beautifully oh weighted kick. So after this week, apparently there's a bit of a goal controversy. I have no idea why this came up. I mean, I didn't see anything that happened during the course of any action from this round that might spark Outrage with how the AFL has handled goal reviews or officiating or anything like that. So I'm a little confused, but nonetheless, let's address this controversy because I think the Bevy of Bloods podcast has done a great job. Maybe looking at changing the rules a little bit on what is a goal, what's behind, what's out in the full. So there mock-up to changing the rules a little bit is, if it hits off the inner goal post but goes through, then that's a goal. If it hits off the goal post and just comes back into play, it's a play on. If it hits off the inner goal post and goes into uh, the outer goal post, that's behind. Same thing if it hits on the outer goal post, goes through, that's also behind. If it hits off the outer goal post, goes out of bounds, that's out on the full. Now, I think this is a great way where they could really address the controversy, make things a little bit easier, and not have to worry about those super tight inch margins on the goal reviews. It'll change everything. It'll make everything less um, of a hassle, less controversy, just easier all around. So we'll see if the AFL wants to make a change to this. Donny, um, Gil, what do you guys think? What was that? Oh Connor, that's a beautifully weighted kick.
0: Thanks, Ross. A great question. I've seen this question bandied about, and I know when you messaged me this, you attached a really good friend of the podcast, the Bevy of Bloods post on this, and I love it. So Gil, I will repeat the question really, really quickly. Should the AFL make a rule change of how goal slash behinds work if the ball hits the post? And if so, I agree with his proposal that if, hey, if the ball hit the goalpost and goes through, it should be a goal because, hey, let's just make it to where it we take away the, the snicko a little bit to, Hey, if it goes through, it's a goal. No matter if it hits the post or not.
1: Okay. I got two words. Hail actually through it. Hail to the, no, no. <laughs> if it hits the post, it's a behind simple. <laughs> or if it hits the behind post, it's out of bounds on the full. No, mm-hmm. don't do that. This is not the NFL. I don't want to see the AFL become like the NFL where if it hits off, one of the behind posts, and goes through the goalpost, that it's a goal. No, absolutely not. Tradition. <laughs> Stick to tradition. I love that. The ball has to go through. It has to go through. And once it goes over, even by a centimeter, end of story, it is a goal. And I say that even though if you look back at the history of Western Derbies, one of the greatest Western Derbies that was ever played, Fremantle and West Coast, the Dockers ended up losing uh, a Western Derby because Hayden Valentine, launched a miracle set shot from the boundary, which looked until the very last second that it was going through. And then it hit the woodwork. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe, some Dockers players you can see it in the footage are even looking around at the umpire saying, well, come on, mate, isn't that a goal? No, it's not a goal. It hit the behind mm-hmm. post. That's why you have a behind <laughs> that's why you have a behind post. That's why the rule is there. If it hits the goal post, if it hits it, it is a behind. Now what would be really cool is if there was some technological invention. And this is where my sci-fi fandom comes in here. What if there's some great invention in the future that if it hits the posts, that some buzzer will go off and some gleaming red light will emerge mm-hmm. showing everybody it hit the post. But for me, no. If it, hits a, if it hits a post, that is a behind. That is, you know, the footy gods here are on my side. The footy gods did not invent this this great game. The, Wurundjer- the Wurundjeri people did not exist. Invent this great game so that if a ball hits a, a post, that it's that it's a goal. No, mm-hmm. no, Ross, come on. What are you thinking? <laughs> come on.
0: I, it, because the other thing I, I'm weird, like, I think the K think about the chaos of it. if it hits the post dead center and goes back into play, the pack that would form underneath the ball. <laughs> so I'm weird. Like it'd be interesting. It'd be, I, I would be interested to see it trial just to see how it would go. I mean, if it was an absolute cluster, you know what, then I understand it. I'm one of those that I understand, but it would take a lot of controversy out of some things. So I'm, I'm not 100% against it because then you wouldn't, the situation that you just had. Would be eliminated if you eliminated that rule. So it, it's one of those. It's. Well, it's but so how,
1: could the umpire asking for help.
0: This is true. <laughs> but as I told you, goals are reviewed. Behinds aren't. I I understand you asking for help. And that but, should
1: be the thing that's changed. Scoring shots. And it shots sounds, it sounds be like they
0: are. I, and I I think it yeah. sounds like they're they're really looking at it, or even putting in some kind of eight second delay, which I'm not real big with that one because it's. Uh, but a, it's a, better than what
1: happened in Adelaide.
0: This if he has eight
1: seconds, that eight seconds was better. And I've got a rule proposal for you. And and actually, this was suggested to me um, by a mate of mine living in L.A. who used to play for Collingwood back in the day. He mm-hmm. was, a, it was, it was an emergency in the 1990 grand final. His name is Andrew Tarpey. You can look him up. Good mate of mine. He actually has this suggestion, which I actually really like. Mm-hmm. What if if you pass the ball behind to a teammate, it's automatic play on? Okay, I like that, that before, because, yep. late in the, because late in the piece, because we saw this in Port Adelaide and Fremantle, um, you had the old NCAA basketball keep away, mm-hmm. which you can't blame a side for doing late in the match, but it certainly would add some excitement. If they choose to play keep away and they kick behind, why can't it be play on? Or, you know, and maybe as a trial, maybe they introduced that in the last five minutes uh, of, of every quarter. Although I kind of like it generally. If you kick to a teammate behind you, it's automatic playoff. Mm-hmm. I really like that.
0: It's a good it's a definitely a good thought. I'd love to see it trial to see how it would change it. It would definitely be interesting to see how a switch of play would change because of that. So I that's a fascinating one there. So uh, unfortunately it's we're, better we're,
1: than that super goal concept they tried. Oh, <laughs> that was please don't bring please oh don't boy. bring that back. Raise the, up the above, Umbar raise student. into the sky. <laughs> yeah, please, no, 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 no. Don't all right, no, all no right. more super I,
0: goals. I know we're in a crunch for time, but I still want to ask this question because you're you are a huge frio and I try to get a question about the team of uh, the that the the person I'm the and I'm chatting with supports. So, y- your thought can you can can you classify this year's Fremantles Docker season a success or is this a failure because f- fell short of finals?
1: It's got to be a failure. I mean, every club aims to make finals, and by that very narrow standard, yeah, it's a failure. I think that there have been some some successes, but I think if you look at the at the fixture for the beginning part of this year. You know, the first six matches, people were really thinking the experts, so-called experts, really had Fremantle winning five of the first six matches, and that's the difference in the season, right? So I think that one thing that really uh, hurt was what you were alluding to before, some of the departures that happened. Um, mainly, I think, uh, Blake Akers on the wing, because that, mm-hmm. was, a big, uh, that was a big situation that, uh, or a big position that Fremantle had, had to fill. Now, as far as Rory Lobb goes, he would have been very handy. But at the same time, if Rory Lobb had been uh, had been healthy, and or actually, no, if Rory Lobb had stayed, well, you know, that might have limited Jai Amis's development. And Jai kicked, has kicked 38 goals this year and mm-hmm. is showing flashes of becoming a superstar. So I'm not sure that his loss was uh, was as big. Um, but uh, I definitely think that it was definitely a step behind. It was definitely, and I think the players themselves would would say that it was a failure. Um, that being said, I think that, um, that, that that the group overall is better for having another full year of experience. And I, and I don't say it lightly when there's something really good to look at in having the most representation in 22 under 22.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I think the biggest question, though, for Fremantle is going to be what to do when you have Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson in the same lineup. And I've heard people say this. Paul Hazelby has written some really the former Docker, Player has really written some good columns about this, uh, about the importance of, uh, of of having both of them in the team. What happens? What does that look like? Should Darcy be traded for uh, for picks, which Fremantle are sorely needing? I would not get. I would not trade him. Um, but what I would do, and what I really like, is to have Luke Jackson involved in everything. And if he is not in the center square as a ruckman for me, I want him there as a midfielder um, because I think that he can be. a a new kind of Dean Cox. And uh, my friend Corey McKernan is going to love me referencing him or a Corey McKernan uh, in the middle. And uh, so, yeah, Unicorn is a great nickname for him. And if you have him as an on-baller, I think that only helps, although he definitely has uh, forward craft and goal-kicking skills. But if you keep Luke Jackson involved in the game, he's a real difference maker. And I think it clearly hurt when we had him just stowed away in the forward line uh, that when he is a ruck, he's involved in everything. And I think he and Sean Darcy can be a really strong tandem. Hopefully it wouldn't go the way uh, of what happened in Melbourne with uh, Maxi gone and Brody Grundy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's possible to work. I think it absolutely is. It's up to Justin Longmuir to devise, and his staff to devise a way to maximize the two of them uh, being together. You can understand the argument that if they traded Sean Darcy, yeah, that's going to get some really good draft choices for, for next year. Personally, uh, I wouldn't do that. I definitely want to give it another year and to see how those two work
0: together. Yeah. I would not disagree with you. I think there's still some ways to work it out. And again, with Jackson's ability to kind of shift around the ground, I, I think it's definitely worth at least another year of thinking about it. Could that decrease Darcy's trade value a little bit, but you'll have to see. So we'll jump to it. I'm going to take over the podcast just a little bit here for the next few seconds is this I do my team of the week and I've kind of refined it a little bit to make it a little more, um, to give a little bit more love to more people because the way I kind of originally did the analytics, it was getting a lot of the halfback. So what I did was this year I added wing players. So I will give two wings a spot. I will make sure that each of the lines fullback and halfback gets some love here. So we're going to get a little bit more diversified team of the week. So we'll start on the defense and the fullback line. sees Essendon's Nick Hind, Geelong's Zach Guthrie and, and, Adelaide's Brody Smith, a little bit of a smaller one, but some really good ball movers on this group and the halfback line. She's Brent uh, Brisbane's K- Kitty Coleman gws is harry himmelberg and adelaide's uh, wayne millera in the mids out on the wing sees Cullingwood's josh Dacos and the western bulldogs adam Trelore in the center square sees taryn thomas of the north melbourne roos gws is tom green and the western bulldogs marcus bontempelli the ruck is st kilda's rowan marshall and the forward line half forward line sees richmond shy bolton carlton's charlie curno and west coast jamie cripps as you as you said with an incredible game full Forward line, Nick Larkey of the North Melbourne Rouge, Gold Coast, David Swallow, and GWS's monster game from Jesse Hogan on the bench. Defender, Ruckman, midfielder, and forward, one from each position. West Coast Jeremy McGovern. I think he had an incredible game. I gotta give him a little bit of love on this. The Western Bulldogs Rock Tim English is gonna be the backup. Midfielder, Port Adelaide, Zach Butters with another incredible game, and forward from the Brisbane Lions, Charlie. Cameron round out the team really quickly I know there was a lot of names really quickly your thoughts on round 23's team of the week
1: well here's what I'm going to do I am going to exercise what that umpire should have done and ask for help so I'm going to defer <laughs> to you Donnie on all of that I don't disagree the only thing that I might have uh, only player I might have added um, might be Jason Horn Francis who had that mm-hmm. a uh, great game against against Fremantle um, I, I really uh, really thought he was incredibly strong in that match so I, I'm not going to disagree with, um, with what you pick. I, I know that uh, talk radio or podcast radio is supposed to be combative sometimes between host and co-host or guests or whatever. I'm not going to combat you. I'm asking for help. I am deferring to your expertise on that one.
0: Well, the biggest thing is for me is I I put a lot of emphasis on the goal, on the goal scoring, because I think it, it's yeah. one of those that kind of helps. How American of you? <laughs> yeah, I, I know a little bit, but it changed the analytics a little bit. And it gives, sometimes it gives credit sometimes because you see these guys like, They get 40 disposals, but they get no goals and they only have four or five scoring involvement. So I've kind of neutralized it a little bit. Sometimes it actually does get a little bit more of a plethora of people in it. So, but it's a lot of fun. It it takes a little bit of work over the weekends, but it's definitely worth it. So my homage to the fourth and long part of the podcast is the power rankings. And it's a, what have you done for me lately? Again, I take the last five games. How are you doing? Are you winning goals? Are you winning games consecutively? So here it goes. Number five the Melbourne demons number four, the St. Saint Kilda saints number three, the Brisbane lions number two, the Sydney swans, AKA quotations for some people in in South Australia and number one, the Carlton blues round out the top five again, wind streaks by Carlton and Sydney put them at the top Brisbane looking strong. St. Kilda being a team, that's doubted but winning games and melbourne another strong win against a pesky hawks team so we'll get to it i know we're tight for time so let's try to do this really quickly tips for this round round 24 ultimate end of the season really quickly friday night mcg he got collingwood or essendon
1: is that a serious question donnie
0: <laughs> i gotta really? ask As i gotta ask as the host here <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh I wouldn't be betting on Essendon
0: in this one. I'll tip the pies. Training in, run.
1: Glor, glor, uh, glorified training run for the pies.
0: I will tip the pies in this one, but I worry with the injuries on the defensive side. I think Essendon's going to be in this one a little bit more than some people think because Murphy's out, Moore is out. We'll have to see how it goes. That's there's two big cogs in that back line and they've been giving up a lot of points and Essendon, if they can get on a roll, can score. I don't think this is as big a mismatch as some people think. I do think the pies win this but I think Essendon's in this a little bit more than some people are giving them credit Mm -hmm. for. We jump down to Blundstone Uh Arena and Tassie as North Melbourne hosts the Gold Coast Suns. I will have the Suns in this one. I just think they're playing stronger. The Roos are going to lock up the number one seed. Harley Reed, here you go, to add to an already talented young midfield. So it's one of those West Coast win actually hands a golden ticket a little bit to the Melbourne Roos.
1: I'm going to go with uh, North Melbourne on this one. I think that they've got the home advantage at Blundstone. I think they're going to really want to finish uh, on a high note. And, um, yeah, I, I would definitely go against Gold Coast making that road trip. Um, I'm going to go with North on this one.
0: Interesting. I, I like your thoughts on that. MCG, Hawthorne v. Fremantle, your Purple Heart. Can you tip Fremantle going to the G?
1: I cannot. Uh, I don't I just think that um, Hawthorne with their uh, with with playing at home and really eager to to end the season on the right note uh, and eager to please Sam Mitchell I'm going to take Hawthorne in this one Fremantle have had a long year it's been a very long stressful year the trip to the MCG has not always been kind mm-hmm. to the Dockers um, and uh, again there's some banged up players Jager O'Mara, Jager O'Meara won't be in this one um, couple of the other injuries, uh, Bailey Banfield uh, is going to miss this one. Uh, Michael Walters may be a little bit proppy. He's, he's due to come back. Um, but I am going to tip off on this one.
0: I'll tip Hawthorne only because I think if this game was an Optus, I would be much more apt to pick Fremantle, but the travel all the way across Hawthorne playing really, really good footy. I think this is a, just kind of a horrible matchup in, in timing for the Dockers here. I got the Hawks in this one. We jump up to Brisbane in the Gabba sees the Brisbane lions host the St kill the saints. And what I think is a cracking game here. I think this is going to be a little bit closer than some people think. I think Brisbane win it because they play the Gabba so well at home. St. Kilda, though, I think shows some people they're going to be a little bit of a tough out come finals time.
1: I'm going to go with Brisbane in this one because uh, of one thing that I witnessed when Ross Lyon was, uh, was coaching Fremantle is that Ross Lyon has never really had that explosive a kicking side in, recent, in his recent years of coaching. And if you get, in, and get into a shooting match with Brisbane, they can put up a lot of points very quickly, and they're at home. And uh, I, I'm definitely going with Brisbane with brisbane in this one i should
0: say yep all right gm hba stadium is geelong face the western bulldogs unfortunately geelong has sent a few to the doctor's office to get some off-season surgery so i will begrudgingly tip the doggies in this one i think some of the losses may hurt a little bit i know the doggies are coming off the the a horrible performance against the west coast eagles but i think they've taken a whipping and i think geelong may be the recipients of a very angry dogs team even down in the cattery
1: I would totally agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, anytime you get an animal cornered, well, what do they do? They bite, scratch, claw, do anything they can to survive. And uh, I think with the embarrassment last week of uh, of losing to West Coast, uh, the doggies are going to be in a position to not only score, but score as much as they can to try and build whatever percentage should they need it to get across the line. So I'm going to go with the, bull- with the Bulldogs on this.
0: All righty. Over to Optus Stadium, West Coast hosting the Adelaide Crows. Who do you like in this one?
1: Oh boy, uh, I think Adelaide might be a little angry uh, <laughs> uh, right about now? I think uh, I think the crows are going to be uh, really, really seriously um, pissed off to the highest level of festivity, as uh, the old comedian Robin Harris once said. Um, I'm going with Adelaide on this one. I just uh, I just don't think that uh, the Eagles are going have have it in them to stave off the anger of the crows and go out on that winning note. And it'll be interesting to see the conversation around Adam Simpson after this. But mm-hmm. I think the crows are just gonna come out snar well, no, it's the Bulldogs who come out snarling according to the song. So I don't know what <laughs> what do angry crows come out doing?
0: Calling Pecking, you would say I don't know. Pucking, you could yeah. Uh, say well no.
1: or I could say look, it's gonna be a murder. It's gonna be a murder.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I'm gonna murder tip the crows, crows in this one, but I'm gonna say this. I worry that I don't think you get an Angry Crows team. I think you can get a crows team that doesn't care. And that's what I worry. I worry about they've spent so much time and I know Maddie Nix gave all the players. I think what was it? One minute to vent all of their frustration. I'm worried. They're so focused on being robbed. And again, I do, I do, I do that because I don't think they were robbed. There was still a minute and a half. We don't know. I worry that they're so focused on what happened last week. They take the Eagles for granted. And I think the Eagles are there. I think this is one of those. It's going to scare some crows fans come fourth quarter. I think this is close. Mm. crows win it but i don't think it's the blowout that some people think it is i and, and i and i hate to say again I, I i i love my crows supporters i have many great crows fans i worry you take the eagles lightly you're so worried about being angry about what happened this week i think the eagles surprise them a little bit i think this is a closer game some people think so adelaide okay. oval poor adelaide v the richmond tigers a couple, of their, a couple of their veterans take off. I think Port is starting to kind of find their groove. They're getting a little bit healthy. I have the power in this one, and I worry this could be power big.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, never tear them apart. Uh, you, you can never tear them apart. And um, I, th- I think with Port, they're going to be, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be really looking to fine-tune, but uh, to also uh, be challenged by Ken Hinkley to keep their intensity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Tigers though it'll be emotional with, with Tim, uh, you know, well, actually Tim is not there anymore, but wanting to f- finish the year <laughs> with some pride, but, uh, yeah, Port, I can see a real steamroll happening here. Um, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Jump up SCG, Sydney, v Melbourne. I'm going to tip Melbourne in this one, but I think this is a finals-like atmosphere. I think this is a tough physical game. I think this is one of those, the intensity of both teams. I think the Ds just have a little bit too much, but I think this is a cracker. I think it comes down to it, and I think Sydney shows why. If they get in, they will be dangerous to any of the bottom four teams that drop down if they can get by the elimination final.
1: Which is is exactly why I think Sydney are going to win this one. I mean, it's going to be very emotional. They're farewelling Buddy Franklin at the SCG. Sydney are always or maybe not this year as much as in recent years, but Sydney are tough to traditionally been tough to beat at the, at the SCG. Um, I think they're going to be really revved up and wanting to, to give something back to buddy um, by winning this one. Uh, I think that that physical matchup could really, could really hurt for Melbourne. They don't want to get their best players hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely think, I think Sydney's going to pull this one off and that's going to be a catalyst for them going forward. You just can never count the Swans out of anything. I remember you and I were talking about the year they started 0-7, and they still made the finals. I would never count Sydney out of anything, so I like them here.
0: Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. And last but not least, Marvel Stadium, and conveniently, this is a fantastic way to end this round, sees Carlton v. the GWS Giants And I'm going out of the limb. I think the Giants win this one. I think Carlton escaped Gold Coast last week. I think Harry Mackay's addition actually has decreased Carlton's abilities. I think the Giants, even going down to Marvel Stadium, I think they shock the Blues.
1: It might happen. Um, I would not be surprised to see it happen. My bigger question is, what is Toby Green going to do that's going to be outrageous this week? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, could he do something that could jeopardize his availability uh, in the finals? He has a tendency to get himself in trouble like that. Um, and if you're a Carlton supporter, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for a winning streak to stop before the finals. You don't want the winning streak to stop during the finals. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually can see your point too, and I and I think that it would not shock me to see GWS win this one. So I'll go with GWS. I'll go with you and go to GWS on that
0: one. Yeah, it'll be fa- it'll be fantastic. It's going to be a great last round. Like I said, a little anticlimactic when it comes to the final spot availability, but I still say this is going to be some electric last two games. I may double screen and watch this swans and keep an eye on that GWS Carlton game because I think it's going to be fantastic. So. Well, you I can know,
1: guarantee one other thing too. Jesse Hogan ain't kicking nine goals. In that
0: match. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> not on Weedering. I think I, I, I. It's fascinating, but Zerk's Thatcher, I felt so horrible for him because I, again, he's just he keeps getting these animals, and he he tries as best he can, but it's just not a close matchup. I think Jacob Weedering is much going to be much, much a closer matchup when it comes to it. So if Hogan kicks nine, something really went wrong for the blues there for sure. So ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our episode again, Gil, thank you so much for hopping on. It's always great chatting with you. I know things are going well, stay safe out in California. Are you, are you in any issue? Because it looks like the weather looks fantastic out there.
1: Yeah, we were really lucky as far as the the rain. We weren't really too concerned. We we're in uh, the Ojai Valley. And so rain was never really that big a threat. But the funny thing is, is right in the middle of the rain, the rain we got, suddenly uh, our whole house starts shaking. And uh, it woke my wife up from a nap. Um, And I should have known when I saw my cat jump out of her carrier about five minutes early and go scurrying under the bed because cats and dogs and other small animals are supposedly, or especially cats, have a sixth sense. They know mm-hmm. when something is coming and when something just is not right. So when the whole house started to shake, and it's the most intense earthquake I've ever felt living in California. is a 5.1 um, on the Richter scale. So we had that, and then we had seven aftershocks. Um, so it, yeah, it definitely uh, <laughs> it threw a spanner in the works there um, for a few minutes, and it didn't help that at the moment I was reading a post-apocalyptic novel. Oh, and wow. I was just <laughs> right in the middle of that.
0: Oh boy, what what, time, what All of life is timing on that and, one. So I'm glad. I'm did, glad did that I, you were okay. I'm glad that you were did okay. Did I mention? Did I
1: mention the epicenter was three miles from our house?
0: Oh boy, three even, miles. even better, even better. All right. <laughs> Unfortunately, but thankfully, you are safe. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our episode. Again, another episode of AFLW. Uh, another. Episode of AFL Round Review is complete. Thank you for listening again. More coverage. Keep an eye out. VFL, Sandful, and Waffle Finals are about to start. I will do previews of all of the finals coming up over the next week or so. So keep an eye on that. And again, AFLW starts Round One. I have a couple of great guests to join me to review AFLW Round One here in a week. Cannot wait for it. Y'all have a wonderful evening, and that is going to do it for our episode. Thank you very much.
1: one last thing, though, Donnie. Go ahead. One very last thing, which is which is this to anyone and everyone who is watching us in Hawaii, uh, especially if you're from Mali, Balama Stay strong.
0: Stay strong and stay safe. Take care of yourselves and each other. Fantastic. Our thoughts and prayers out to those on the Hawaiian Islands. So thank you very much. That is gonna do it for our episode of Donnie's <laughs>